Have you ever heard of Matt Carter? What about Nate Bergetzi? If you've heard of either of these two people, you love to have a good laugh. If not, allow me to introduce you to two very funny individuals. Welcome to the 10th episode of Uniquity Over Ubiquity, the show that delves deep down into the mind of an artist to find out what it takes to be unique. I'm the host and creator of the show, Kyle Parker, and today we talked with Tampa-based comic Matt Carter about Tennessee-based comic Nate Bergetzi. Matt and I used to go to high school together, and I always got along with him really well. He was heavily involved in music at the time when we were in theater together, and he's just an all-around cool dude, really great attitude, super funny. You know, he's just always been somebody that I got along with really well. So when I heard he was getting into stand-up comedy, I was like, well, shit, I better get him on the show so that him and I can talk and we can get some of that old school chemistry going again and maybe talk about something him and I both obviously love, which is comedy. And he introduced me actually to Nate Bargetzi uh, through this whole arrangement. I did not previously know about him. I may have heard the name before, but it was not something that was completely on my radar for sure. And I was blown away when I started getting into this guy. I watched Chase Jarvis interview him and he is just a hilarious, and grounded and centered person. And it is so cool to hear someone so casually talk about how to do things right in an industry that I'm interested in. This was probably one of my favorite people that I've stumbled upon through this because every single piece of information, every answer that he was giving on the way through, it was all super valuable and I couldn't have appreciated this interview anymore. I ended up watching this interview in its entirety just to get my research done because it was such a good one and there were so many good questions that I could get out of it. Nate has been blowing up lately. He just recently released a Netflix special called Tennessee Kid. He has an album called Yelled At by a Clown and another one called Full Time Magic. He's performed at South by Southwest, Bonnaroo. He's been on Conan. He was on the stand-ups on Netflix. This dude is just amazing and I'm so happy that I found him and to top it all off it's clean comedy it's amazing to be able to successfully navigate and execute clean comedy in this current day and age because let's be real everywhere you turn there's some kind of raunchiness or pushing the envelope or you know really trying to break barriers and we don't really need that anymore the 90s and the early 2000s are over and we are moving on to a more positive phase of life, hopefully. But enough about how I feel about this stuff. Let's talk to Matt about how he feels about Nate Bargetzi. What's up, everybody? I'm sitting here with a very good old friend of mine. We haven't been in touch very much lately, but that's okay because we tended to vibe pretty well when we knew each other. And, um, we're both going in similar directions. And honestly, like, you know, I knew you in a band. Uh, well, hold on. Let me let me introduce you first. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is my homie, Matt Carter. What up? He's been doing comedy back in Florida where I was raised. And uh, I went to high school with him. Super duper homie. And the great thing is I remember you used to be in a band and... Uh, 
now you're doing comedy and that's fucking sick because we had a lot of laughs together and I went to some of your shows, but now you're on a different kind of stage, which is tight. Yeah, it's a much easier stage to be on. I not not necessarily. It's cool because you have all the people kind of backing you up when you're in a band. But like I, I'm me. I'm the equipment. You know, I don't right. have to it's, load anything in. I just I show up and you know, and I'm ready to go. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that for sure. Initially, you said somebody else, but we'll talk about that. That's like one of the last questions. Okay. But we will talk about who you decided on you and I both decided on this and I think it's a great one and I don't know how to say his fucking name even though I watched I think it's Nate Bargetz Bargetzi Bargetzi yeah I think I it's either like Italian or Polish I don't I don't know I don't know how it's pronounced but it's it's Nate Nate Bargetzi it's gonna be funny because like if I'm if we're wrong later on you're gonna hear like it's like gonna be like a Simpsons splice I'm gonna be like yeah and we talked about Nate Bergetzi. That's cool, though. I personally will be honest. I did not know about this artist, this Mm -hmm. comedian. Um, How did you feel about it? Bro, first of all, like, I watched like a couple, I watched a couple of snippets because what I try to do is I try to watch interviews before this show. Okay. And then and then whenever I interview after that I seep in the media that they've made. Okay. So it's like an interesting little thing cuz then I get to like kind of like relax with it and like okay. sit next to it in like a different way, but I do watch snippets to familiarize myself. And okay. so I found I found every joke that I watched to be hilarious and just his style and like his cadence is it's like, so yeah. slow it's roll so extra chill, bro. Like it reminds yeah. me of driving through Tennessee, which is really funny. Like in Tennessee, people just try to go to work on time and they don't care how slow they have to go to get there on time too. They'll yeah. just be like, they'll just be chilling. And he's like, I wouldn't say he's slow, but it's just like, not like, it's not like how I would do comedy, you know what I mean? Because I'm such a hyperactive person, so it's cool to see something yeah. different than what I would do. What I don't know the the main thing with him is he's he stays relaxed the whole time. I'll give you an example. Uh, he came to Tampa. He went to the, he's at the Tampa Improv, and in the back of the room, in the middle of his set, like a fight broke out. And he's like a he's like a t- the top working clean comedian in the world right now, and it's the early show, and Tampa doesn't know how to act. So of course, the fist fight breaks out. You know, everybody turns, everybody looks, and uh, he just looks. He's like, you know, he's never ever been a fight at my show before, but you know, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. And it <laughs> the fact that he just yes anded it. He just took it. He just was like, yeah, now this is this is cool. Rather than being like, what the fuck's going on? You know what I mean? It's his response to it was so like proper in the moment to not derail the show. And that's, that's, uh, that's amazing. That's something that only comes with, with experience like that, you know? Right. You have to be pretty much ready to roll with anything. <laughs> um, I, and it's funny as you're saying that, cause like what I did was I, I ended up honestly sourcing most, if not all of these questions from this one interview, which was just like, I don't remember the guy's name. I think it's like Chase Jarvis or Chris Jarvis or something like that. But he he has this like 
hour and a half long interview with him. And he basically just keeps on like leaning more into every answer with another follow up question. For instance, like he introduces him as an actor and a comedian. And then he goes, oh, well, I'm not really an actor. And he goes, oh, well, tell me more about that. And so like he just like keeps asking questions more into every other answer that he asks. And it's really cool because like yeah. I was just sitting I was sitting there and I was like captivated because this dude speaks like somebody that's already gone through being famous and is chilling now. Yes. Yeah. Like like he he is so hyper aware of how to handle it. It's alarming almost. It's hard to imagine like like he's he's from Tennessee but he cut his teeth and like got paid his dues in New York. So he like picked up and left and went to New York. So it's so I I I'd be interested just to see him in New York with the attitude and like that he has about life existing in New York. Definitely because I know some people from Tennessee and if they lived in that kind of mayhem they'd be like what the fuck? Yeah. Nobody's they, looked me, nobody's looked me in the eyes in 2 years. <laughs> Yeah, I got um, yelled. I got yelled at for breathing. I don't know. That's just this for having a donut in my hand. Yeah, <laughs> look at this <laughs> yeah. asshole with a donut. This motherfucker. What? What look time is it? Two thirty. What an idiot. Two thirty. What a guy. You wait till three at least. <laughs> it's not freaking donut time. <laughs> I. It, I don't know. That's that's a. I don't know if I if I could deal with the New York vibe. It's like, hard, I, man. <sighs> You know what I mean? I'm going to go ahead and ask you several questions about Nate. And I'm going to try my hardest not to say he at the beginning of all of these sentences. First, let's get into the same question that I ask everybody on this show to start this show. What makes him stand out to you? Okay, so when you st when I started comedy, a lot of people base whatever they're trying to write on the comic that they like. And a lot of times that comic does not work clean. So they get on stage and they end up like pissing people off and grossing the audience out. So I, I immediately kind of took note of that. I was like, okay, so what, what, how, what kind of comedy do I have to create to further my career? To jump in that first step, to go from like hitting open mics to hosting shows or, you know, to getting guest sets and like just taking that initial jump into getting booked. And part of doing that is to work clean. To have clean, have clean material, if not work clean entirely for the first little while, so that you're able to take hosting positions. Because a lot of clubs want a clean host. So he was the only comic that I really saw at the time, you know, within you know the grand scheme, who was representing clean comedy. Also, the fact that he was just using anecdotes from his life. It's all he's just chatting up the audience about experiences that he's had. And that's what I wanted to do. Cause I kind of went into it with like, I, I don't feel like I can write a really like, you know, like rim shoddy set up punchy joke, but I feel like I can talk about stuff and in the process, find ways to make people laugh. So he was kind of the only comic that was doing that at the time. It really jumped out to me. A clean comic that I've always loved. And that I didn't even realize was clean until like later on was, uh, Jim Gaffigan, like yes, the way yeah. he talks almost sounds dirty. Oh but yeah, somehow he's not saying anything fucked up at all. 
Yeah. Um, I followed him on Instagram and like one of his posts was like, I've got this uh, 13 year old for sale if anybody wants it. And it was just a picture of his kid like like hanging out on his phone. Mm. <laughs> it was just like, I'm just like, that's like not even offensive. It's just hilarious. You know what I mean? So yeah. And that's the, that's the great, that's what you shoot for when you're doing clean comedy is to just, you don't want to let people know I'm about to do clean comedy. You want to get on stage, do your act as is, have everybody laugh and enjoy it and everything. And then have them have, you know, on a car ride home, be like, Holy, that was all clean. And where you didn't even notice it. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to continue that road, but it, but seeing a comic like him, um, definitely was like, okay, it can be done. You can talk about your life and yourself and you don't have to, you know, it, it was basically, it's like a, not a, I don't want to say it was a ploy, but it was like a, a tactic to get work and, and to break into hosting. That's awesome. And that's a good mindset. And it's funny because he mentions that too in the interview that I watched. Man, like, I, I don't know if you've seen that interview, but if you haven't, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to watch it after this. I'll, I'll send you the link. It's so good. Like, I was like sitting there, like, there was a couple of times where I was just tearing up because he was like, what he was saying was just so real. I'm like, Damn, is this, is this the, the shit? Is this the interview where he talks about? how hard you have to work and how you can't take days off. And he like does that. No- and he also talks about no one giving <laughs> a shit about you when you start. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like it's like black and white. Mm-hmm. It's a black and white interview. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to see that. I'll have to watch it. Um, but it, yeah. that's very true though. As far as nobody giving a fuck whenever you first start out, I feel like it's just, there's just this very fine line of nobody knows who you are or everyone knows who you are. Right. Nate said that he did this with the intention of just being a comedian. Do you do this with the intention of soon becoming an actor or is comedy all you want? Ah, oh, man, I, I feel like standups all I want, or it's at least all I can focus on right now. You know, like it, like I, I didn't, I don't want to like, sp- I know a lot of people who are able to do it, we're able to just be like, I oh, am yeah, working on being a stand-up comic. I'm working on being an actor at the same time. But I feel like as far as acting goes, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I just I want to work on stand-up comedy the most. If it if I down the road, if I find any sort of success and try to branch out, but really I, I enjoy that the most. I've I've only I'm just not a I don't know how I feel about being on, on camera and whatnot like that, like other than filming a set. It's what I, I'm comfortable I, with. I often wonder that too. And I kind of think it's like the only way I feel like I'd do it is if I had like a Jim Halpert on the office kind of thing. I need to be able to be casually funny. Yeah. I don't want to do, I have respect for Dane Cook, but I don't want to do what Dane Cook did and make a bunch of rom coms. Yeah. That's not why I'm trying to make a name for myself. Yeah, and based off it, it, his whole thing you're like based off being fucking wacky, like, like yeah, I'm so funny versus like I don't know. I think like Jason Bateman arrested development where it's like he rarely like smiles, he's not doing anything slapsticky. That but is he's one of my favorite shows funny. of all time. That is it's, like literally oh my god. Because it's dense. Every line is a joke. It's so intentional. It's yes. so intentionally written. It's so good, dude. I try to apply that stand-up of like, 
this is what a, a comic friend of mine down here said. He goes, if a line is not inherently funny based on the words, say it in a funny way. Right. Try to make every single line funny, like from start to finish, all through your setup, your punch, and all your tags. Try to keep the whole thing funny as a unit. Yeah, no words wasted. And no words wasted, which that's what a lot of people, you know, fail, myself included, where you might have a line that you love and you think it's the funniest line in the whole joke, but it it continuously doesn't get what you think it deserves on stage. And sometimes you have to cut lines like that where it's like you think it's funny. Maybe the comics think it's funny, but if you're not getting a reaction from the audience on stage, sometimes you got to you got to kill it. Damn, I feel like it's like letting go of one of your kids you're just yeah like, oh. killing killing your darlings you're like cool well i guess i don't love you anymore i'm not allowed <laughs> i'm not allowed to love you anymore because i don't love you anymore they don't love get, you i can't love you your mom will get a check once a month okay whether i like it or not yeah, so you're, anyway. gonna, you'll, you're staying in the notebook but you can't come on stage <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. Nate's dad was a clown and a world-class magician. Did you have any parents in the entertainment industry or any influences that sort around you in your youth? Not at all. Not not a, you know, other than, like, not a single fucking person. Like, I don't know. My entertainers live in Riverview, Florida. Yeah. We're not really cranking out winners. <laughs> <laughs> It's you know what I mean. Where I, oh, I obviously we laugh with pain. Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's some hurt behind that, and like like obviously I like I did theater and like that was like my first exposure to entertainment in general and being on stage. So other than other than that and just getting the experience and the knowledge of of doing that was kind of the only like parlay into what I'm doing now that exists. Right. But, but now family wise, you know, no. Just regular blue collar, regular family. That's pretty cool then that you were able to, you know, blossom out of I don't want to say regularity to make anyone seem like lame or anything, but you know what I mean? Like just to blossom out of the straight and narrow kind of thing. Oh, here, this is the way I look at it. So I am the youngest sibling in the family. There's only two of us. So I have an older brother. So you kind of go through life as an observer and you're there, you're constantly trying to like break the tension or be funny in some way. So if it came out of anything, it was that. Like, I feel like I was the youngest. So I ended up being like the funny one who was always trying to lighten the mood and whatnot. Right. So I feel like coming from that of like that role in the family dynamic, and just being like, eh, might as well attempt to make a career out of this. Right. I remember you being in bands in high school, and Nate said that he didn't really want stand-up comedy as a child, but it was casually mentioned in high school. When do you feel like it happened to you? Man, uh, when I realized that I didn't want to cook for the rest of my life. So much of like being like a line cook and being stuck in the kitchen, fighting through the stress, is trying to crack jokes to try to keep morale up constantly. And I was doing that every single day, going into work and just trying to make stuff funny. And I realized one day that I hated it. I just turned 29 and I was like, dude, I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. No offense to my coworkers, but I was looking around and every single one of them is like, they're all like, they're drunk all the time, 
or they're coked up or their bodies are falling apart because they've they're like 45 now and you're like yo i can't keep doing this he got into stand-up because of a friend at work who wanted to do it he did it first outside of his hometown how does your situation differ Oh, well, obviously, there's no there's no open mics to go cut your teeth at in Riverview, Florida. So I just went to Tampa, and I, I found the first open mic I ever did. It was at a place called Beer and Brownies, and it was a place that sold beer and brownies. Wow. It was a horrible, it was just a horrible business. I don't know what they were thinking. It was just like, he's like, I like beer. And she's like, I like making brownies. And they're like, eh, they both start with a B. Only in Florida. And they opened a place only in Florida. And it has since closed down. Oh, wow. Shocker. Um, shocker. Uh, it closed down. That was the first time I ever got on stage. I got on stage and I, I blacked out pretty much my first time on stage. It was weird where I just didn't, I didn't remember much of how it went. And then, but afterwards I was like, that's not how that's supposed to go <laughs> and then, <laughs> at all. And um, so I, then I flipped, you know, switched it up from there. But really I just found every single open mic that I could possibly go to. And for the first year and a half, I was on stage like nine times a week, as many times as I could. Just any open mic that happened, I was there. And that, that would be, Comedy mics that would be mixed open mics. I would just go try my hand anywhere that I could. He didn't do it in his hometown, but I feel like when he started, Tennessee wasn't really a huge spot for comedy. But um, it has since turned into a, a huge place to do comedy. That's awesome. Tennessee, just in general, has become a huge place to be. I I personally have a lot of love for that state. Have you? I don't know if you've ever been. Have you ever been? Um, I'm going. I'm supposed to go in August. Tennessee is sick, and I think that's cool that it grew to a point that he was able to come back that way. You know what I mean? Because uh, yeah, I, I I can honestly. I don't. I don't mean to burst your bubble, but I don't think Riverview's ever gonna get there. <laughs> oh no! I mean, I live. Obviously, I live in Tampa now, but I don't think Tampa is really gonna get there. I'll go to just surrounding area. Like, what's the the closest city? From here is if you go, you go to Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta's whole comedy scene it eclipses ours by like fucking five suns. Oh, for it's sure. so huge because they have their whole industry or even going to like New Orleans, their oh comedy New scene is amazing. Their comedy scene is amazing. New Orleans is a very special place. I actually took a trip there before all this happened, too. So I went to New Orleans then I went to Florida. And then the world shut down. So I got my good yeah. taste. I got my good taste of the South right before all of this. It is one of the most magical cities in the entire world, but it is also a very, very dark place. And so you just yes. need to be careful when you walk around it. But everything out there is artistically driven, which is so tight. Yeah. It's an entertainment town. Like it's entertainment and booze. Yep. Yep. And uh, the two mix very well. So he thinks that it's worth it to go to comedy school because it doesn't teach you to be funny, but it does teach you what to do. Are you open to schooling? Ah, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's anything, anything down here. A lot of our comedy clubs down here, Side Splitters doesn't, Improv doesn't, but like you have played like McCurdy's in Sarasota, the Orlando Improv, where they will do an intro to stand up comedy thing, and uh, I I haven't done it. Ah, oh, man. Uh, improv classes I have heard really really help as far as just thinking on your toes and when you have to go off script 
of not, you know, being like a deer in the headlights. So I, th- I think I'd be more open to taking improv classes before comedy classes. But I, I've studied a lot on like joke structure and then tried to go and just as an exercise, write a joke in each of the 13 formats that this particular dude, you know, discusses. But other than that, I don't know. I'd be open to it, but I, I just haven't found any opportunities down here that really seem like they would help me a ton. I don't know if you know much about the backstory of this. I, I'm sure I told you a little bit, but this show is a product of an online Second City class. Okay. And so right I know Nate spent a little bit of time in Second City. He said it wasn't really his vibe in that interview, which makes sense. I mean, you know, it doesn't. It's not for everyone. And you know, he he's obviously funny in his own ways, so he doesn't he didn't need it. But I took a class on how to write and produce a podcast. It was like an eight-week online course, and you submitted something every week. So she would have you do these little snippets. It started out with, why don't you do a funny joke sketch? Why don't you make two characters and record that and edit that? And then it was like, okay, now make a jingle. Okay, now make a commercial. Okay, now make a interview your friend. And then by week eight, it was this prepackaged 30-minute episode with like everything. And I was just like, wait a second. I was like, this is a fucking, I, I just made a damn podcast. Like, Man, I actually, I am, especially given the circumstances of the world as it exists now, I think that's dope. There's a stand-up class. If you want to take it with me, I'm thinking about taking it. Um, it's like $200. There's a how to write for stand-up. I think it starts like in a week or two. I can send you the links. Dude, Second City Online is so cool because you get like a real comedian that's teaching you. I did that and I did how to write for a talk show. Okay. And I'm going to do more until I can get to a location where I can physically attend classes. The reason that I was so hell-bent on getting you on this show in the first place is because, like, I, you know, you know for a fact that I have always been a heavy joker. Like, yeah, yeah. If anything, I may not have provided anything else to my friends other than a good laugh at some points. You know what I mean? Like, it was... It, it, it's, I feel that. And it's so cool that... I'm seeing you do this because like I'm on that path. So like, it's just cool to know someone else that I've known for a while that I could just relate to a little bit. And so like, I'll tell you all about it later. We can stay on track still, but like writing for stand up one, writing for stand up two, writing for stand up three, there's three classes on writing for the onion. Like, dude, it's fucking sick. That I'd be more interested in. Nate adjusted his schedule pretty heavily to pursue comedy, working an early morning shift a couple hours after being at a comedy club for a whole night. How have you adjusted your schedule to accommodate this lifestyle, and when are you willing to let it take over more? I can't let it take over more now, but I was kind of on my way to um, just having enough bookings that I, I, I couldn't work as much. I quit my job. I was working, you know, like 40 plus hours every week without fail, sometimes, you know, 50 plus in a restaurant, in the kitchen and just dreading it. But I told myself like, hey, like if by this time next year, I'm not like actively pursuing comedy, like I'm going to blow my brains out. And it's one of the first things that I ever did, ever said I was going to do and then did it. So I, I quit my job. I gave them like a good long notice was like, yo, like six weeks or something like that. After six weeks, I'm out. 
So after that, I quit and I took some time off. I got a part-time job working in the morning at like a sandwich shop that left me open to do comedy. And then I started, I got hired on or started working more frequently with a catering company that will literally just shoot me a text like, hey, are you available for this? And it's a yes or no. Oh, that's awesome. So I, so I, I really opened my schedule up a lot by doing that. Oddly enough, I make more money working gigs in between comedy than I ever did just staying at the same place all week, week in, week out. For years, probably. For years. I'm at a point now where I, I'm in between hosting and featuring. Like I, I'm working on having not just enough time to feature, but ample time to feature. I've done a few feature sets here and there. Your 20, 25, 30-minute sets. Am I super, super comfy with my 30-minute set? No. But you just got to keep on plugging away until I have ample material and I know that I can do it. It's empowering to at least have the option to do it so frequently. Well, I mean, obviously not right now, but in the direction that you're going, to have the option to be able to do things so frequently is nice. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, when you're working on like a 30-minute, like getting that set together, you don't get a ton of opportunities to do that much time just to practice it. So you have to sort of make do. You kind of have to get booked to do it. You have to work on it in pieces, and then you have to get booked to do it and hope that it all strings together the way that you want it to. The last few times that I've I've gotten the opportunity to do a feature length set, I've been pretty satisfied with the outcome. That's awesome. He says that he writes best on stage by adding things to it every time. And as a comic, you're always working on things. So this kind of relates to what you were just saying. When do you feel the writing and rewriting comes to you most? Is it like on stage or is it like when you're like, working at one of your gigs for the catering and you're like, oh, fuck, you know, it would be better if this joke was blah, blah, blah. Like, when when does it hit you the most? Driving. Driving. Oh, my God. Driving. Don't you hate That's that, the... too? Because you're like, now I got to use my fucking phone. <laughs> yeah, or I'll try to record it or, like, have my phone dictate it. But right before all this shit hit the fan, I had just gone up and done three shows in the Panhandle in, like, Panama City Beach, Pensacola, and Fort Walton Beach at the Comedy Zone. I had just gone up there and done like this string of things. But those drives, like just the the drive up there, that six, seven hour drive on the way up there alone in the car, that's when I get the most new things to add and new thoughts because I'm just running it in my head over and over and over and preparing to do it. And then you're like, oh, well, this is a funny thought. This is this, this is that. And you, you kind of like... I try to hang on to the memory a lot of times, but also recording it on my phone is kind of the way to go when I'm driving. So I'm not just being like, I'll remember that because it's so funny. No, because you you won't. I've lived that lie many, many times. Like, no, dude, it's so funny that I'll definitely remember it. And then like three hours later, I'm like, what was it today? What was was that? Yeah, yeah, you have to let it go. Today I was in the shower and I thought of like one of my favorite poetry lines that I've ever thought of probably in my whole life. And I was like, all right, man, I'm not letting this one go. So I just kept repeating it out loud over and over and over and over. And then I started like washing my hair and then I was like not saying it anymore. And I was like, wait, 
uh, fuck. No. And so I started saying it again. And like, I like kept on like reminding <laughs> myself to repeat it over and over. And then like four hours later, somebody said one of the words in one of these online classes I was taking. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> so it was like fucking, it almost got away even after all of that. So I totally I understand a lot of what time, you mean. If you, if you don't, if you don't write it down and then say like, like you're in bed at night and you think of a great thing, you know, like it's so I'm going to remember that. I'm gonna. I just go to I've sleep. I've got the dude. best memory that. ever on record. Like, duh. No. Yeah. No. No, yeah. you won't. And you and you have to let it go. Like, you can't just like I, if it comes back, it comes back. I've never successfully just sat there and been like, ah, oh, what was it? You know, it's right. never it's never worked out. Right. I use this application called OneNote, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I just recently went through and organized everything and like separated it into tabs and all this crazy shit, and now it's useful again but before it was just this spew of 1500 thoughts and i'm just like that's what i have i'm like i've I've got it yep dude what you got to do is you got to tag it up tag them all and then search by tags and then sort that into a book i gotta do it i sat down for like four hours and i was like i just i don't know where to put this stuff or where to find it so he says focus on mastering comedy and then the rest will come do you feel like you get sidetracked by other components of trying to make a name for yourself, you know, such as like marketing and videos, et cetera? Not really. Myself and I, there's a couple other comics who are not as active. Like I try to focus just on the stand up and I have recordings and I have video, but a lot of that stuff is still very much alive in my act. If they see it and they're like, oh, that's really great. Let's go see this person. And they go and I tell the same jokes it's called burning material so they're saying you put that out there and then like you feel like you can't tell those jokes anymore if you if people have already seen the video of them which i know is to me at least when i say that out loud it feels arrogant as it as in like people are really going to see it and then come to see me right but but at the same time it feels weird about I, i do i will say in the last two years one of my biggest regrets is not filming more sets. Because if I'd filmed more sets, I might, I'd have all of that to mine right now for like, oh, that's good, I'll post that. Oh, that's good, I'll post that. Like things that like worked once, but they never made it to an act that I, if I had captured that, I'd have something to put out. But really, I don't have a heavy social media presence. And I'm fine with that. I know every you have to do that at some point or another like to market yourself, but I, I've spent enough time like working on, on standup that like that, that's what I want to focus on. I really, I want to get better. I want to make more content, but at the same time, I'm, I want to focus. It makes me feel weird. Social media, like being like getting addicted to likes and interactions and stuff like that. I'm in the exact same boat. It feels very, it, it feels so, uh, like surface level. I'll post a status. I think it's funny every now and then and it feel good about whatever, you know, okay, I made these people laugh or at least be like, that's a thing. But as far as like marketing and and putting myself out there, I'm either slacking at it or I'm not doing it so I can focus on other things. So I, I really don't let that affect anything that I'm doing and just focus on doing the comedy. That's kind of directly in line with how he feels about it, which is just, you know, make yourself first and then yes. and then that stuff will follow you. 
Yeah, because he doesn't have he doesn't have much of a of a, of a social media presence either. Like his Instagram is clips that will get reposted, but it, they're all very simple. He'll have like like it'll be a recorded joke, and he'll just have a graphic to go with it, stuff like that. I really I really like how he does his social media, where he's just on Instagram. That's awesome. I just have recently been having the thought that I'm going to abandon my real Facebook and kind of just make a new Facebook and associate that with this podcast page. Cause I'm just like, I don't want to be seeing everybody's stuff whenever I go to check on my podcast, Facebook. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to be seeing what Jolene's baby is doing right now. Like I just need to go check my page and add a fucking post and then get out. Like that's, that's the yeah. way I feel about it. I don't want to spend time on my newsfeed. And so, um, it's, either, yes. it's either like unfollow every single person that I know or just create a new one and have that manage the, the page. Yeah, yeah. I'm tired of it. Um, I also, I feel, I feel like constantly watching what other, for me, like watching what other people are doing, what other comics are doing and the, the content that they put out, no matter how good it is, I'll constantly compare myself to them and be like, I suck. I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. Look how much they're doing. Being in the middle of, of a fucking pandemic is like stressful and scary. And while a lot of people are like, oh man, you're bored. You should be, you should be making progress. You should be putting out content. What are you doing? What are you sitting around being lazy? You're like, nah, I'm sitting around being anxious. I'm yeah, sitting around I'm being sitting scared. Around wondering what's about to happen yeah, here in the world. Wondering if I'm ever going to get to do live stand-up ever again. Right. Like it's yeah. pretty gnarly right now. I can't believe that every music festival is just getting canceled left and right. So it, it just is what it is. And we just, I hate that phrase so much, but it literally is exactly what it is. And there's nothing we can do except try yeah. to make, except try to make a podcast. <laughs> man i'm thinking i'm thinking about starting one on my own like my friend sean i just did his podcast he started as a joke he's like i'm gonna put a podcast on patreon he's like four episodes in and it's just him talking for an hour and he's got he's getting like 200 bucks a month oh my god and i was on the podcast i mean it is it is literally just us sitting around shooting the shit that's amazing in the interview he was saying that when you start showbiz, no one cares and you're nobody. How do you look past that and still see the real destination? Uh, man, it's just a small amount of lunacy. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel like everybody who does stand-up who manages to maintain a little bit in their heart of like, there's a chance. I could do it. Like, you just have to... You have to do two things. You have to walk around town simultaneously keeping the mindset that like I'm good. I'm so I'm good at this. People should pay me to do this while on the other hand also being like I suck. I have to get better at this. Right. You have to like balance like that. Like I'm the hottest shit in town and I'm fucking off. Confidence not cockiness, you know what I mean? I still have not figured out how to take a compliment other than being like oh thank like if I have a good set and the people the crowd whatever are afterwards are being like, oh my God, you were so funny. You were so funny. I still just go, oh God, thank you. Thank you so much. Please don't say anything else. Yeah, please where, where God, it's like, stop talking about me. Yeah. Where it's in and, and I I just try to say thank you and then move forward because once I, I'm done on stage, especially if I have a good set, I feel like my social like barometer just bottoms out. 
Yeah. Like, so I'm like, I can't, like, I'm just like so super tired. Yeah. No, that makes total like sense. I, like, it's, I'm uh, zapped. Exhausted, man. Like, it's, it, they'll ask you questions after you're set and you're just like, oh, man, I figured, I thought I pretty well wrapped it all up up there. I don't know. And I, I, don't, I know that sounds like rude and a little, I don't want it to come off as arrogant, but it's just like socially. Human, man. After yeah, after the set, if if it goes well, if it goes bad, I don't want to talk to anybody. And if it goes really well, like oh that was great, we really enjoyed that. Thank you very much. Is the most interaction I really want to have. I just uh, hosted yeah. for Chad Daniels, and it was a sold out show, one night show. Amazing. And after the show, he stood at the merch table and talked to every single person who cared to stick around. So like that's it. Then he had to like after all of the after all of the show, the sold out show, he just did like an hour and 15. Now he has to he has to chat and oh how painful the chatting. I got like one or two more questions for you and then I'll have you on your way. I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you having me on to do it. Dude, I think it's going to be super awesome. I think it's I think no matter the level you are at in your career or the level the person we're talking about is at in their career, the, the answers to these questions come from yeah. this like honest yeah. fucking place. I've talked to a range of people at this point of all different types, lighting designers, wall That's graffiti dope. artists and painters, you know, uh, another comedian, many musicians, a beat maker, a fucking... This guy that makes like electro Indian music, his girlfriend who does this like crazy contortionist dancing on stage with him. Like, dude, all the answers come down to like at some point or another, you really just have to yeah, put your soul into it. You know what I mean? And you really have to like put who you are into it. And it's really awesome oh, to yeah. be able to get that from people. Yeah. So I'm glad that you've enjoyed this as much as I do. Nate says you have to not only commit, but you also have to obsess over whatever it is that you're doing. How much of your day is spent on comedy? Man, as of late, not much. But before, most of the day, I would like wake up, get my day started, organize my thoughts for what I was going to do at the open mic or multiple open mics that night or preparing for a show like the whole day leads up to that like if i gotta wake up and i gotta go work i make sure i get off work in time to gather my thoughts before i have to go out so i mean now not a lot and like as far as writing now the first couple of weeks this was going on i think every single day i was writing 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 where i was so spoiled before all this of like i get to write 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 and then immediately go out that night and try it out figure out whether it's gonna work or not Call and response, basically. Yeah, yeah. so I, you get to try out those ideas on a daily basis. And now I just have like four or five new things that I'm like, I think they're funny, but I don't know. And I, then when you write that day and then you want to go try it out that night, you can still maintain a certain level of excitement about the material versus now you're like, I got to write these things. And then whenever I am able to get back on stage again, I have to hope I maintain the same excitement. And I still think that's funny. 
Because the, the thing is, if you write it and then you go out that night and you immediately find out, oh shit, that's funny. You get to you get to be like, okay, it's funny. I can I can now I can work on it to make it better. So now you're I'm just compiling things and I have no idea whether they're funny or not. Just a weird mindset now. Long list of what ifs. Yeah, like maybe it's funny. Yeah, or or maybe I just maybe think so. I just think it's funny. Maybe I maybe I thought it was funny then, but it's not going to be funny now. So yeah, and how I, honest of a judge can we really be on our own self? You know. Yeah, man, and I know whenever this starts back up, I, it's for the first couple of months, it's gonna or longer, it's gonna be nothing but people talking about quarantine material. It's all gonna be. Quarantine and COVID. Yeah, I'm friends with a couple of comedians, and people are just like, yo, like, shut up. I'm just like, shut up, but dude. Like, they, these jokes are so obvious. I feel like I would have heard this in second grade. If it had happened, and it was over in a month and a half, and we were all past it, and you go back you go back out, and you start getting on stage again, and people are like, oh, that was crazy, wasn't it? By the time everything starts back up again, people are going to be like, that was this is crazy. Like the whole, you know what I mean? It, right. if it was something that we were past, but by the time we we're still getting on stage, we're still going to be actively living in some, you know, dystopia. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fucking crazy. <laughs> it's not going to be the you know, same, dude. It's not going to be the same world. And I feel like people are going to be so tired of hearing about quarantine and COVID and stuff like it's that. That gonna, like, yeah, it's not going to. It's not going to be a good look. It's going to be like politics. It's like where people come to the comedy club and they're like, oh, God, like I even if they agree with you, they're like, I didn't really come here to listen to anybody talk about politics. Yeah. I feel like people are going to be tired of it. They're like, I came out to a comedy show to get my mind off this craziness. Right. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that pans out. I just hope people try to keep it tasteful, but probably not. Nate has an act called the Tennessee Kid. I want to know because I'm I'm one of those people that tends to not so readily claim Florida. I will say that I was raised in Florida, but I will state that I wasn't born there because sometimes sometimes Florida it? has these implications. <laughs> And I've gotten some weird looks when I say I'm from Florida. They're like, oh, really? Or you, yeah, you kind of want to apologize is it, is immediately. It true? <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, yeah. so do you feel like someone, do you tend to adopt the Florida thing in your act? Would you put it on a Netflix special? I don't think See, so. See, it's hard, right? I just, it's Florida man. I don't know. I feel like you, like, that's the thing. And also, like, a lot of people do the Florida man thing on stage where they talk about, I feel like it's almost hack now, no matter what it is regarding like Florida man. And like it has been beat, especially if you rev, you could tell the story, tell the wacky story if you want. But like, if you say the words Florida man in the story, I'm like, it's like the Budweiser was up. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that kind of shit at this point. It's just so, so old. We're just like, okay. In the same vein, I don't mind comics who are not from Florida talking about Me neither, about because you are absolutely correct in everything that you say about it. Everything that I've ever heard, I've been like, that's only half the truth. Like, like, yeah, you're, like, like you don't even know. you're saying it from your outside perspective. I could tell you inside, a whole bunch of extra shit was going on you don't even know about. Yeah. That's a good answer and uh, a respectable one, and I'm glad because Florida is enough of a joke. We don't... <laughs> we, 
Yeah, it's and it's I feel like if you're people come to vacation in Florida, but if you live in Florida, that's like a it's, just it's so a, it's different. And I, I don't know. I it's a vibe and it's not always no, a good yeah, one. It's just a vibe. <laughs> yeah. At any given exists. point in time, it's a vibe. Um so I've got one final question for you, and this question is asked of everyone. I know asking an artist who they're inspired by is a hard question. Who else do you think you would want to mention that you're inspired by? When I first developed like a taste for stand-up comedy beyond like Dane Cook, when I was in high school, when Dane Cook was a thing, 2004, yeah. I was like, oh man, Dan Cook is yeah. the best. And then as I got older, I was like, eh, not, not really, not really good at all. Uh, but obviously you got to respect the hustle. Right. He did his thing. He had his, his moment. And for the time, that was the comedy that people wanted. But as I got older, I really got in. I mean, obviously Louis C.K., despite what has happened, was a huge influence. Definitely. And obviously we know uh, now what was going on. That, you know what I mean? The jokes at the time, I can't take away the fact that I was like, I love his comedy. I can't change right. that at all. I, I I think we all got exposed to that feeling when, when all that shit happened with Cosby. We were just like, wait. Yeah, we were like, damn, really? America's dad? Yeah, if anything, it bummed me out where I was like, come on, dude, yeah. really? Like, like, for real, I can't love you no more? I watched his uh, new special. And the thing is, like, whether you have people that are like, oh, my God, I'm so good. I'm so glad he put out another special. Uh, the jokes were fine. They were good. Uh, somebody said, oh, I give it like a seven out of ten. I'm like, OK, I'll go. I'll go six and a half out of ten. And then you have okay. the people that are saying, like, he wasn't contrite enough. He wasn't apologetic. He seemed like it, he was very flippant toward the portion of the act where he addressed all of the allegations and his admission and all that. I can't take that away from the people who feel that way. I I was like, because they're justified in feeling that way. Right. Right. Like you're, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a different world now. It's a different world now. That's why I know I'm not going to, if somebody has like something to say negative about Louis CK or the special that just came out, I'm not going to get on there and argue with them because they're right. You know what I mean? Like, you're right. You're right. I like. Right. I watched it. I laughed when I laughed. I didn't laugh when it wasn't yeah. funny. But I'm not, I, I don't know. People who are like, that feel like, all right, hasn't he gone through enough? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if he has or not. And that's not my decision to make. Yeah, because none of us are the women that that happened with. So Exactly. Anybody else? Kyle Kinane. Dude, he's great. Kyle Kinane is one of my favorites because I feel like he he doesn't so much do setup punch where he really just goes down a rabbit hole where he just keeps punching the idea over and over and over again. Um and he's got like this like of a playful anger behind it. Yeah. I've seen him live twice. I awesome. was about, I was actually going to see him uh May 10th. At Crowbar, and that's not happening anymore. So that's my bummer. We just saw Dimitri Martin. He's one of my inspirations. I think the last special he put out, I really enjoyed. 
I can't remember Dude, what it was he called. He is extra funny. He has like a unique talent. Yeah, and the his, very unique talent. His ability to tastefully bring other media into his act. Yes. Yes. Where he's doing stuff that if somebody less talented was doing in it um in either direction it's so balanced. It's balanced. It's very balanced. Like you are laughing just as much as you're jamming out a little bit or just as much as you're enjoying the drawing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if people want to be like, oh, it's not classic stand-up, as a performer, he can hold his own in that right, too. Just to come out yeah. and do straight stand-up. Same with, uh, like, Bo Burnham. I think Bo Burnham... Oh, Bo, I love him. People can, you know, dump on... I don't know who does, but I'm sure if anybody has anything negative to say, they're like, oh, it's not... He's another one where his traditional stand-up, outside of the act that he creates to record, if you watch him just do stand-up, He's phenomenal. No, he's great. I didn't realize that he was the uh, bratty kid in Parks and Recreation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, it's not that hard. Just anticipate my needs. What is wrong <laughs> with y'all? <laughs> he's, Dude, he's, oh. One of his his favorite jokes that I, that I have, and it's uh, there's two. First, the first one he goes, You guys like impressions? Why? <laughs> like, is amazing. <laughs> and then uh, the other one that gets me every single time is when he goes, Look, guys, I'm not perfect. I don't use air quotes correctly. <laughs> like, it's, it's where it's, it's like, it's got physicality, it's got a small act out, and like, there's a punchline. Because he, yeah. he creates the tension of you just used air quotes in a place they don't write, and then you're people are like that doesn't work, and then he, the punchline is him admitting that and breaking the tension. It's He's almost such a, meta. Yeah, it's it's too, like it's outside of it. Yeah, it's that's too great. Good. I had a great time talking to you today. I did too. I think this talking was super to you, awesome. <laughs> yeah, t- I did. I did too as well to you. But I think this went really well and as good, if not better, than I expected. Right on. I'm going to go ahead and let you get out of here. And I really appreciate it. And thank you so much, Matt. Dude, no problem, man. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, I hope that all this ends soon and I can come down to Florida and check out your set. Or, or even better, uh, I come up I come up to Denver. To Denver and stay out here with me for a little bit and get on stage. That's what we're going to do. That's, that's, yeah. that's going to happen That'll happen before you come into Florida. I'll come to Denver. I bet it's on the fantastic. list. I've it's it's on the list. We're gonna we're gonna make it happen. Well, um, I will show you a thousand places to eat. Hell yeah, dude. So, yeah. All right, all right, buddy. Talk to you later. You too. Wow, what an interview! That was such amazing information to absorb, and I hope you all get as much out of that as I did when I was listening to it. Matt was just so cool with the way that he chatted about Nate, and I can see why Nate is an inspiration to him because they both have that casual demeanor where it's not so hyper and over the top, but it's just really chill and matter of fact and like, yeah, I'm here. And I really, really, really like that about both of them. I think they're both super cool people. Nate is just an awesome guy. Everything that he says seems to be very on point, true, and from the core of who he is. There's no lying, there's no faking, there's no embellishing. It just seems like who he is. He just shows up and that's awesome. I think he is 
definitely one of my new favorites and I have so much to look forward to with him and I'm really excited. I hope everybody's staying really safe during this pandemic. It's crazy. We're all locked up in our homes. Luckily, I have this podcast to hold on to and work on and do from my house and I don't have to go anywhere and I don't have to do anything to take care of it. Hopefully you also have found something in your life or in your home that is occupying your attention and keeping you focused on bettering yourself in some way. I really want everyone to take this opportunity to just grow and become as good at something as they possibly can. Knock out that project that's been lying around your house for two years. You know, try to learn a new skill. Try to learn a new language. I don't know. Do anything to keep your mind off the fact that outside of your walls, the world is crazy right now. You can only control what's going on inside your walls. So just make sure that you keep yourself level. Make sure that you keep yourself grounded. And remember, it's going to be okay. It can't stay like this forever. I love you all very much. This is an awesome opportunity to learn and to explore art and to show everyone how special you are. It's just a wonderful thing that we have art in this world because at a time, especially like this, when we have live streams coming in, when we have people at home painting, we have, you know, clothing being made out of old clothing. People are just really ticking right now. And I want to see that energy continue on even after we're allowed to go back to normal because, because that's what the world deserves. The world deserves positive thoughts and influences of every individual around it. Thank you very much for tuning in to Uniquity Over Ubiquity. Uniquity Over Ubiquity is currently streaming on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find Matt Carter on Instagram or Twitter at BearHandsCarter, B-E-A-R-H-A-N-D-S-C-A-R-T-E-R. And you can find Nate Bargetzi on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Nate Bargetzi, N-A-T-E-B-A-R-G-A-T-Z-E. If you need any more information on these people, go ahead and look at the description and you can find all the links related to these artists. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.